Thank you for joining us today. Let us be the first to say, Welcome home. To keep you up to date on what's happening at John Wesley, here are a few announcements. Are you a first-time guest? Be sure to stop by our Welcome Center for more information on how you can get more involved through our online services and classes. We would like to take this time to thank you for your faithfulness in joining us every Sunday and for your support to JW through giving. We invite you to give online, mail, through text, or in the offering boxes on your way out. Let's continue to connect people to Jesus. We encourage you to continue to visit our website at www.jwumc.org or visit our social media pages for up-to-date information on Sunday services, safety guidelines, and upcoming events. So please, join us in welcoming Pastor Marty Dunbar as we continue our sermon series, I Said This, You Heard That. Well, it was time to go, and I knew it. I don't know if I really wanted to admit it, but it was time to go, and uh, we've all had those moments in our life. It was time to go. I didn't want to really do it, but I, I, again, I knew it. I had been serving my home church in South Lake, Texas for 11 years, and it was time to sort of move on part ways. I had been a part of some amazing things that happened. Uh, amazing growth, dynamic church, uh, opportunities for me as a young pastor to learn some things and, and learn from a great leader. And, and I loved my job. I loved the people that I worked with, actually. And I loved the area in which I uh, lived because it had been a place that I'd grown up and we had family around. But some staff and relationship changes had caused some dynamics to shift and direct, directly really affect me. And you could say that my heart was hurt. Uh, my soul was hurt. It was wounded. I was frustrated. I felt stuck. I felt uncertain in where God was taking me next in my ministry. And the reality was... Whether I liked it or not, I wasn't the perfect fit for what the next steps were for that church and in what my mentor, my senior pastor, needed. And so as a young dad, as a, a married pastor, I basically needed to grow up a little bit. And I did some growing up, and as I was moving into more of my identity as a pastor, I was realizing that that wasn't actually the place that I was going to be able to fit in at that moment, okay? And so I didn't handle the situation all that well. We tend to do that sometimes when, when change is sort of pressed on us or we actually have a realization of life and, and some of the things in our life that, that probably need to, to, to take a little bit different direction. Now, I shared my feelings with trusted people. I, I shared my emotions with staff members and tried to process the situation all through this situation. And I probably did it in ways that were way too negative and way too hurtful with my words. The words I spoke basically were a reflection of what was in my heart. It was, it was hurt. It was frustrated. It had some bitterness. There was some jealousy, I'm sure, and envy there. And, and again, confusion and uncertainty of the future. Now, again, I say this, I loved my church. I loved my mentor. I loved the person I worked with. I loved the guy that basically got promoted over me. And, and both sides, I would say, were responsible for the relationship tensions that were there in the current state of affairs that was going on. But the hard truth was, for me, 
was that was what was on the inside was coming out. You know, what was on the inside was coming out. And inside my heart, the inside of my heart needed fixing, as they say, right? We needed some fixing in my heart. And I had to move on as a pastor and forgive my friends and, and the people that I loved and loved me. And, and it, I was hurt, though. It was real, you know? We've been there. We, it, I was really hurt, and, and I know the words and my attitudes, though, in return also hurt those that affected me. The godly truth was this, though. Our words reveal our hearts. My words revealed my heart. Your words reveal your heart. Our words reveal our heart. What you let outside of your mouth usually reveals the inside of your hearts. And you, and you try to keep it in there, but it, it's hard to keep in there. And I said this, you heard that, is the series we've been talking about words. We've been talking about how we need to have words that work with our temperament and also what is the temperament of those around us and what are the words that they need. This is an idea, a study about a, a temperament, assessment, right? That we're different colors and, and we all have different needs and we all have different ways of speaking or, or hearing what we've just heard. And, and we, we've talked about how our temperament actually determines the words that you speak, and your temperament also determines how you hear the words others speak. And our most important relationships, our spouse, our significant other, our friends, our children, our parents even, kids in here, and or the team that we support or the team that we lead, they deserve better with our words. And so we've sort of challenged ourselves and we aren't going to just follow along with what society is and community is. A lot of times those things are, man, people use their words as weapons, right? We see it all the time. And we've been talking about Paul's challenge to us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And he said this, let me remind you, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Talked about last week in more detail, but that unwholesome. Unwholesome is that useless words. It's not cussing so much. It's not explicit language. It's just useless words that we speak in our life to other people that aren't worth them hearing. And it doesn't build them up and, and it doesn't help them it, it, according to their needs. It, it doesn't really work in their life. And we have to be careful about that. We also talked about what does it mean to benefit other people with our words. And that word benefit is made up of two Greek words that actually mean a minister of grace. We're called to speak God's language, a minister of grace, the benefit of others. Here's another truth. Unhealthy words are unhelpful words. So if we're not called to, if we're called to not speak unhelpful words, like, right, then we need to for sure not speak unhealthy words, and unhealthy words are unhelpful words. So where do they come from, right? How do we stop them? And that's what we're talking about this morning. Where do they come from? How do we stop them in our life? Jesus challenges us again. He gives us another teaching that we can look at when it comes to our words and from the inside out, and this whole idea of what's on the inside tends to dictate our words, it comes from Matthew chapter 15, 
verses 10 through 20, and I want to read you. And so if you have your Bibles, you can follow along, open this up. It says this, Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and and asked, Do you realize you have offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. There are blind guides leading the blind, and if one blind guide guides another... They will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet, Jesus asked. And then he went on. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. Slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people, and they're Pharisees, actually. If you go earlier in the chapter, Pharisees, the religious leaders, the religious elite who have showed up to hear him, And he's also got his disciples there and other people that are listening to him. And he's clearing up a misapplied part of the law. Because what has happened is the Pharisees have created their own man-made laws. And so they've applied something that's just, just wrong. And Jesus basically brings a bigger challenge if you really hear what he's saying to us. In this verse 10 he says, listen, folks, listen. He said, and try to understand. That Hebrew word that he is saying right there that he uses for understand and even listen is it means to obey. So so hear and try to understand or try to obey. Don't just go through the mental process of what I'm saying. We do that all the time, right? We go through the mental, oh yeah, that's whoo, that was deep, you know, and then we move on. We don't obey anything. Jesus says, hey, obey. Don't just do this mental process. In verse 11, he said, not, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, right? You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. And we all know this. We all know the science behind all this, right? Right? I mean, this is the truth bomb, though, for Jesus in the midst of this situation because he's saying what you eat doesn't break your connection with God. If I want to go eat a hot dog tonight, it's not going to break my connection with God, right? It's probably not going to be the most healthiest thing for me, but but it's not going to break my connection with God. It's not going to cause me not to have any salvation or have a relationship with God, right? It's not going to break my connection with God and with others either, but what does, right? Jesus says, what does? Communication is about connection. Communication's about connection. And so in verse 12 and 13, he goes on. He's like, listen, these religious leaders, uh, they're like, they follow ritual. They're not following anything in the heart. Their words are empty. First of all, they, they aren't really from, from my father. And, and he says some really harsh words. He says, they're not of God. And ultimately, if you follow them, you're going to fall off a cliff, fall into a ditch. Because they're blind spiritual guides. 
Verse 17 and 18, Jesus says, anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles. Again, we know the science with this. We temporarily have a relationship with food. We like to think about it that way or not, but I mean, I eat a hot dog. It's temporarily with me, right? But the words that I speak come from the inside. Unhealthy words are unhelpful words, right? And the Christian goal, a follower of Christ, is to use helpful, healthy, beneficial words. And Jesus is addressing a, a bigger issue here than just washing your hands before you eat, and that's going to defile you. He's talking about unhelpful versus unhealthy. And we've been talking about unhealthy you know, helpful words, but he's talking about unhealthy now. And so unhelpful versus unhealthy. Unhelpful words flow naturally from different temperaments. We, we tend to speak out of our temperament, and sometimes those aren't very helpful to other people. They're helpful to our needs, but not others. But then unhealthy words flow naturally from the brokenness and the sin in our hearts, don't they? Jesus' teaching in Luke chapter 6, and he says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, right? And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Inside out, words come out of our mouth, indicate what's going on inside of us, what's stored inside of us. So what can we do? Hey, Right? Ah, sounds great, Marty. You know, Jesus, you pointed something out. What can we do? Because we do. We need to apply this to life. How can we go live this, you know, out in our life? And, and so what can we do? There's two key steps I want to bring to you this morning. And I'm not going to elaborate on them for very long. But there probably are more steps. But these are two key steps I think we need for disarming our words and really doing some spiritual surgery. And the first is this. Identify. What are we trying to identify? We're trying to identify what's harmful in us, what's broken, what's toxic, what's hurt in us, right? This is the God work. This is the stuff where we spend a little time with the Lord, right? We ask him, you know, what, what what's, doesn't need to be there? Where, where have I been hurt, you know? Ask God to identify it. Do a little bit of self-reflection. Sometimes it takes a little silence. We actually have to listen. You know, we can't just talk and, and hopefully get an answer real quick. I mean, this, is some, this takes some effort and some sacrifice and some time. Maybe we need to go ask a friend. Maybe we need to go to a pastor and just and, and say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is why I, I feel like I have some anger coming out or some bitterness coming out towards people. And what is that? What could be rooted in there? I, I remember a a man who, um, he had teenage boys. He came into my office in ministry one day, and, and um, this was in Tyler. And he sat down, and he said, Marty, I just, I have so much anger right now for some reason. And my words to my kids and my wife, they're just so angry. They're so hurtful. I don't know why, and I, don't, I can't control myself. I don't know what's going on. And, and so we spent the time sort of identifying 
What was it that was going on? He was struggling with his job. He, he had some other things going on. I said, what are you trying to control? I mean, you have to give some of that up to the Lord. And it, it just it took some time identifying what was going on. And, and I think over time, he just gave that to the Lord, and, and it got better and better. And he shared back with me that things were going well. It just takes some time. So we tend to store things up. We tend to store our anger. We tend to store our bitterness. We, we tend to store our jealousy and we push it down sometimes. And, and yeah, it's good not to always share our burdens all the time, but boy, I'll tell you, our envy and our insecurity and our guilt and our shame, we can carry it sometimes and it can cause all sorts of havoc and problems in our relationships. And a lot of times that stuff exists because the result of our own life choices. Maybe it's because of the sin of other people or the words that they actually spoke to us. Or it could just be self-talk. Others are telling us something. God's telling us something. But boy, we have something in our head that's just we're replaying it over and over and it's causing us problems. The other thing that we can do is we can practice. And so identify what we got and, and what's causing these things, but also practice. And what I mean by that is this, practice the language of grace. We talked about it last week. Practice the, God's language, right? Consider the words of grace in your own life. That you are forgiven, you can be forgiven, you can change. God, God is a, a God of change and healing and restoration and redemption. And, and, and we, you don't have to transmit your brokenness. You don't have to transmit your your toxic stuff that's occurred to you or you're holding in your heart. And so you need to practice. You have to practice it. For me, it was time to go. It was just time. In 2007, I left White's Chapel. I went, couldn't believe that God had opened some doors I could never have imagined at all. And that's the way God is, right? And so he, he set a path out for us to, to move to Tyler, Texas. And so I moved to Tyler, Texas at Marvin United Methodist Church. And here's the reality, y'all. When we move cities, we move churches, we move ministries, we, we move locations, it doesn't fix the brokenness. It doesn't fix our hearts. It doesn't fix the things that deep down inside of us. We still transmit that brokenness, you know. We see it all the time in marriages. People get divorced and they go and get remarried or they begin to date somebody and they got the same brokenness in their life just because they have a different person in their life doesn't mean that they've fixed anything right it happens all the time even moving churches or moving locations of uh, different places it's like we still bring our brokenness we have to deal with our brokenness so we can move into a relationship or we can move into a new place in a healthy way and for me I needed to do that it was the fall of 2007. I'd just been there a couple of months. We had this thing at Marvin UMC that was called the Pertle Series. And we could bring in great authors, popular authors. It was, a, it was sort of an endowment-funded thing. And so we'd bring in some top names and top speakers, top bishops in the United Methodist Church that wrote books. It was, it was a great time. They'd come in, they would speak on Saturday night and have a dinner, and then we would have them preach on Sunday morning. And Sunday night, we'd all gather in the sanctuary, and we'd have a closing worship service. And they would speak, and, and then we would end with an altar call. It was such a southern thing to do, right? An old Christian thing to do. But it was so beautiful. I loved that time because that was the night for me. It was time for me to move on. It was time for me to ask God to actually heal my heart. It was time for me to actually forgive my friends and the people I loved and then ask for forgiveness of what I 
did as well. And take these burdens and these sins, this heart stuff, and basically pour it out. And that night, I did it. That night at the altar, I just felt like it was like time to, to move on, forgive, give up that bitterness, give up that hurt that, that is going to move me into a place that I didn't want to be and say some words I didn't want to continue to say. And, and so I asked God to forgive me, and I asked God to forgive me of my part. And listen, that stuff works when you do it. It's pretty cool. God really does forgive. God really does change things. God really does free your heart of. It's amazing when we do that stuff. See, God is a, a healing God. God's a healer. He's full of grace, right? He's full of love. He wants to redeem you. He wants to store you. He wants to fix all the broken pieces. That's what we celebrate in communion. In just a moment, right? We, we eat of the bread and, and drink of the juice. and This is God's words, like literally, right, put into our life. And, and God's words is, hey, I gave my son, right? I loved you so much that I gave up my one and only son. And it's a picture of God's grace. Communion is. Healthy, loving, grace-filled words. God be, became one of us to rescue us and redeem us and restore us and do the work. We can't do ourselves, but we gotta, we gotta sort of give it up to him. We gotta, we gotta take the grace of God into our life. We gotta eat it, right? And we gotta let it marinate and, and do its thing. We, we ultimately need to glorify God with our words and our actions and, and take the time. Maybe this is the time. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in the last week, whatever it is, maybe it's time for you to ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's time for you to to forgive somebody. Maybe it's time for you to stop shaming yourself or, or get rid of that guilt, right? Maybe it, it's time for you to take your hurt and your shame to God and allow him to heal that brokenness. Can you imagine if we did that? I mean, there's such freedom, such freedom in that. Go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you weren't willing to just speak into our life, but you're willing to come into our life and love us, show us love through Jesus Christ, show us true sacrifice. And thank you again for challenging us as, as your people to to do what you want us to do, to live in the way that you want us to live. And we need to be more responsible with our words. And sometimes we don't know where they come from. And Lord, I pray that you identify that in our life. I pray that we bring those things to you right now. And then in the midst of identifying those things, Lord, I pray that we will practice that. We will practice the grace that you have offered to us that changes us. So may our words always be helpful, always be healthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.